and they all left him for failure to understand the saying. And they said, this, this is a hard saying. Who can bear it? And so the church shrunk back to 12. Right? One statement in one Bible study of Jesus shrunk his church. Right? He said to the 12, are you going to go also? What did Peter say? Where can we go? Because you have words. Everyone say words. Words of eternal life. I, I, I'm feeling something in the spirit here tonight. I'm encouraging you. The words you are hearing tonight and this weekend in reference to finances are words of eternal life. If you open yourself to it, it's going to set you free. It might be difficult because you perhaps view it with a natural carnal mentality. But if you understand this in the spirit, what is, what is understood in the spirit is to be practiced by the spirit and not in your, in your limited human capacity. Amen. And it will set you free. So just, just pump your neighbor and say, be set free tonight. Okay. So verse 16, you shall also observe the feast of harvest, in brackets the feast of Pentecost, another term for Pentecost, in the first fruits of your labors from what you sow in the field and the, the feast of the ingathering, which is also tabernacles. At the end of the year, when you gather in the fruits of your labors from the field, verse 17, Three times a year, all your males must appear before the Lord your God. You are to offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, um, nor is the fat of my feast to remain overnight until morning. Then verse 19, watch, verse 19 is very important. You shall bring the choice first fruits. Everyone say the choice first fruits. I'll explain that in a moment. Of your soil into the house of the Lord your God, you are not to boil a young goat in the milk of its mother. Now a very strange commandment. Before I explain that, I want you to see in this passage, notice in all three of the major broad categorized feasts, God said no one must appear before me empty-handed and is to acknowledge the Lord. Now look at this. We're against the backdrop of those commands of Israel to honor him with the first fruits in all three feasts, there's a very strange command given. Bring the choice first fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God. You are not to boil a young goat in the milk of its mother. Now, remember Israel did not live in, in isolation of surrounding nations. They were fully aware of practices of their neighbors. So what would happen in heathen nations was this. Okay, Cudworth, a noted theologian, notes this. He said the following, that um, when a young goat was born, the kid, the firstling, especially if it was the firstling of a line of others to be born, they would take the first fruit or the firstling, they would milk the mother, boil the milk, and then boil the young goat in the milk of the mother, so killing the young goat. It dies. Now, milk is designed to nourish and not to destroy, not so. Particularly um, the milk of a mother uh, to its young. It's designed to nourish. It's designed to, to provide immunity, strength, and growth. So there is an inferred principle here that, uh, that the first fruit must not be abused, misdirected, or used for the wrong purpose. But more important is this secondary principle. The principle is this. The other nations would take the milk in which the young kid or the young goat was, was destroyed, and they would take the milk on their fields, and they would sprinkle it on the, the produce or sprinkle it on their plantations throughout the field as an offering to the heathen gods to ensure the future perpetuity, fertility, and harvest of that field. Okay? So when God says, you will not take the firstling and boil it in the milk of its mother, what was God saying? God was saying to not be like the other nations that rely on demonic agencies to ensure future harvests. 
you take that firstling and you offer it unto me. What was God implying? God was implying that I personally will guarantee your future harvest if you offer that to me. So we now listen carefully. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And most often, I guarantee you, the mindset in reference to how we steward our finances in the church for most sons of God is predominantly influenced by secular society. And you see your colleague in the workplace who is not a son, who is not in the kingdom, earning the same salary as you. Now, and you are both taxed by SARS, right? And now you give your tax to SARS. I hope you're doing that, right? So you give your tax faithfully to SARS, but you're part of another economy. You are in the kingdom of God, and they are not. Now in this economy, you must still give first fruits, tithes, and offerings, right? Now I shared this thought with you in session one on the CD in your pack. How that? To understand kingdom realities economically, unless you understand your status as a son of God, in the kingdom of God and your observance of kingdom principles designed to sustain you, you will always see God's principles financially as punitive and not intended to bless you. You will always see, God, why? I must give so much, so consistently, so regularly. Why? When my colleague who doesn't know you is only subject to SARS taxation, but it seemed like I, your son, in this kingdom, must, must, must be exposed to a whole range of offerings, first fruits, tithes, offerings. Let me just say this. Giving is designed to wean you off dependence upon this natural world. Giving at its bedrock, at its kernel, listen carefully, this is very important, at its kernel, at, at its essence, its quintessence is to, to wean you off and to, to, to strip the carnal soul of dependence upon earthly ways to ensure your, your welfare, your sustainability, and your survival. Once you come into the kingdom, you come into the kingdom of your father. Hallelujah. Matthew 13. They will shine in the kingdom of their, of their father. Colossians 1.13. You've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son or the son of his love. So you're in a kingdom that is highly relational where you as a son have a father and your father says to you, my son, observe my ways. And God said to Israel, I won't have time to read the scriptures, but it's on CD, the CD in your packs, session one. You'll see it all laid out. God said to Israel, um, see how I will cause you, watch, to lend to other nations and you will never borrow from them. It would seem like God was laying uh, a burden upon Israel to do all of these offerings when the surrounding nations didn't observe those kinds of things. Okay? But I want to encourage you, it's all by grace. Tell someone all by grace. You see, grace is opposed to works. If you try and work this in your, in your own strength, and let me just say this, you can work things out economically in your own strength to ensure your own welfare and even pursuit of the riches or financial gain. Or, or financial sustenance as you, as you grow older, and perhaps you'll, you'll meet with some success there. But there's a way that God has. And God says, my ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than, higher than your ways. And I want to encourage you. You either subscribe to God's way of doing things economically. Now, I want to encourage you. First fruit is a violent offering. Tell someone it's a violent offering. It's a, I call it a courageous offering. I call it a daring offering. Because let me say this. When the farmer gave first fruits, he had nothing left. Think about it. First ripened produce, he takes it and he offers it. Firstlings born, there's no guarantee that you're going to be another one. And you take everything. What are you saying? You're violently saying to God, you are my source. You are my dependent, my trust. Is new. Everyone say, trust God. I've just done uh, three sessions, I think, on trusting God, giving trustingly. It's an expression of simply how much you trust your, your, your Father. Amen? And so God said to them, 
when he said this to them, do not boil a young goat in the milk of its mother. He's literally saying to them, separate yourself from worldly dependence. Separate yourself from reliance upon known methodologies in your age to ensure your future success and trust me. Come on, tell someone, trust God. And trust me, trust God. Okay? Trust me, declares the Lord. Now, on page four, on page four. In fact, I'm going to jump around because of, of time. Let's go to page seven. Seek first the kingdom of God, right? Now, I believe first fruits, the practice of first fruits financially is part of the overall doctrine of first things. I hope to, in our local church, do a short series called First Things. First things are very important. What you do first in various sectors of your life. But in your finances, God says, give me the first fruits. Okay, give me the first fruits. Remember it is said of Abel in Hebrews, just put Luke again, Hebrews 11 and verse 4. It is said of Abel as the first hero of faith to be listed in this long list of greats. By faith he offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. That's the NASB. The, new, the, the King James says a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Through which he obtained a testimony that he was righteous. He obtained a testimony that he was righteous. Now, um, if you go to the King James or the New King James, or easier. Everyone say more excellent sacrifice. He offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Sorry, I'm on page 10 for your reference. I'm on page 10. A more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 2, and verse 20, sorry, says the following. Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and of knowledge? Everyone say excellent things. Okay. Have I not written to you of Excellent things. Now, the Hebrew word for excellent things here, like I indicate in the note, is the Hebrew salis. Everyone say salis. And it literally means three, a third part or triangle, thus implying threefold things. Everyone say threefold things. Threefold things. Okay? Threefold things. Then it says of the Lord Jesus in Hebrews 8 verse 6, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. Okay. By as much as he also is a mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. So watch. Listen to me very, very carefully. The new King James and the King James says of Abel, where the NASB says he offered a more, um, a better sacrifice King James says he offered a more excellent sacrifice. Proverbs 22 verse 20 says, I've spoken to you of excellent things. And Hebrews 8, 6 says concerning the ministry of Jesus, he has a more excellent ministry. And if the word excellent in Hebrew denotes a reference to threefold things, then we've got to understand the power of three in Scripture. Now, generally speaking, the number three, I, I, won't, I won't reference all of the things. The number three has reference to that which is real, that which is complete, that which is substantial. Everyone say real, complete, and substantial. For example, in Ecclesiastes, it says, um, of giving that Israel have to observe, right? And they're not synonymous. The one doesn't refer to the other. They're all separate categories of giving, right? So, say a threefold cord is not easily broken. I want to encourage you, in every department of your life, bring a threefold dynamic to it, and it will never easily be dislodged. It will never be dislodged. In your notes, I give some examples in Scripture about the principle of three recurs. At the bottom of page 10, for example, in the Godhead, you have Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. The constitution of man, he is spirit, soul, and body. There are three patriarchs, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. The tabernacle has three portions, outer court, holy place, and holies of 
holies. In singing, uh, according to Ephesians 5.18, we can engage in psalms, in hymns, and in spiritual songs. Three feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and, and tabernacles. Three uh, Old Testament divisions, the Lord, the prophets, and the psalms. Three offices of Christ, prophet, priest, and king. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. According to Paul in 1 Corinthians, there are three enduring virtues. Now there abides faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And in reference to prayer, um, uh, the writer of the book of Matthew says, we can ask, seek, and knock. Everyone say threefold things. And these are just a few examples. The scriptures are washed with threefold dynamics to acts that make the position real, solid, and substantial. All I'm suggesting to us, that if Cain's offering was excellent, denoting threefold things, that um, all giving then must have this threefold characteristic of first fruits, tithes, and, and offerings to the Lord. Amen? First fruits, tithes, and offerings to the Lord. Now, let me get to, you might, the burning question is, how much is my first fruit then, right? The, de the determination of the first fruit. Now, for Israel, it was easy, not so, because the farmer just had a field, and whatever fruit ripened first, that would be my first fruit. But as Israel digressed away from an agrarian-based economy to a more secular-based economy where people worked and were remunerated, it became all the more difficult for people to determine their first fruits. And so people would ask rabbis in their day, um, what portion of a field or plot of land generally would amount to a first fruit offering based upon the history of Israel? Now, please remember this is not scripture. This is Old Testament tradition. What I'm, what I'm going to explain now is not in the Bible, but it's based on reliable rabbinical writings. And I'll explain how to, to view it in a moment. They said then, in a typical field, anywhere from 140th to 160th of the field generally would be construed as a first fruit offering. Now, now obviously, 140th being more than one, than one, than 160th. So, um, a modern day equivalent would be to offer the first week's income and or turnover if you're a businessman. First week's income, if you're working, and or turnover if you're a businessman, to the Lord as a first fruit offering. So we work in a mostly secular society where we work in a month and we remunerate it for the same. Okay, Based on our skills, talent in the workplace, we rewarded that in terms of monetary reward. Now a first fruit offering, now you're listening to me very carefully, then would be the first week's income. In a calendar year. So it's, there are 52 weeks in a year, not so? 52 weeks. So 1 over 52 equates more to an average between the 140th and the 160th prescribed by the rabbis. Okay, so the middle of the, the road, so to speak. So it relates very much to rabbinical writing. Most people, however, earn a monthly salary. Not so? So first offering then would be a quarter of your monthly salary in, at the start of a particular calendar year in that first month would be given to the Lord as a first fruit offering. It's your first salary for the specific calendar year. And you say, God, um, I give this to you as an indication that watch my efforts in business and or the workplace is purely by your hand, purely by your hand. And I'll, I'll explain the legitimacy for this practice from a New Testament perspective. Uh, I'm just so uh, sorry that we, time is running against us here. And I want, I want to rush to a particular point. But I would suggest to you, this is where I started. This is where we personally started, by paying the first week's income to the Lord. That's just our expression of saying, God, all that we have is yours. And we want to honor you with the first fruit of the increase from the reward of our labor, we want to bless you with this God. And so we started there. The tithe strictly is 10%, not so? 
the Hebrew and Greek word for tithe, if you didn't know, means 10%. There's no revelation in that, right? You don't need a revelation to tithe. You need a calculator with batteries. <laughs> Amen. Just, just, just work it out. But I think, yes, what I think in my spirit, I think the absence of a definitive percentage in reference to first fruits was always intended by God that the practice do not be governed by a calculator, but by the revelation in your spirit. Right? So what did we do? We started practicing first fruits as the first week's income. Now, everyone say, by faith, Abel offered. So if you take the whole complement teaching of the New Testament position on faith, can faith grow? Question, can faith grow? Come on, talk to me. Can faith grow? Yes, yes faith can grow. Paul writes to the Thessalonians and says, I marvel how two things in you grow. Your love and your faith has grown exceedingly, he says. The scripture says we can grow from faith to, to faith. We, faith has the capacity to incrementally increase. And so now we are at the position where we offer our entire first month's salary as a first fruit offering to God. If you are hearing this for the first time, I suggest to you that you start on whatever the basis your faith allows and seek to incrementally grow from there. I would suggest that you, you, you start by giving off a first week's income. Everyone say first things, right? First, that's why I said it's radical giving, it's courageous. It will cut against the grain of most secular or humanistic thinking, but it's your expression of just how much your, it has been revealed to you as God the source of all blessing, God the source of all favor, okay? And you say, God, see how you have, see how you have blessed me. The first time I heard this teaching, I got a headache. Any headaches here, we pray for you quickly. <laughs> okay. You know, my God, I'm just about master tithing. I must, I must engage this, you know. I must engage this, 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 this level as well. And whole of the first week, that's like 25% of my salary. I must still tithe on the 75% and, and, and determine how much offerings I must give from there. The Lord really challenged me. God said to me consistently, I'm trying to wean you off dependence on your salary as the source of your sustenance. I'm trying to get you out of the grips of Babylon, grip that seems to grip you into its vortex. So it, that's why I say it's violent. Everyone say violent. It's courageous expression of who is my source? God is my source. If you were an Israelite living in the old covenant and you were expected to, as a male, to appear before God three times a year, in each of the respective feasts, with a first fruit offering. Isn't that a tall order? Come on, speak as a man, yes? Isn't that much? But what was God trying to teach them? Wean them of dependence upon natural systems to sustain them. And, and offer this to the Lord there. Offer this to the Lord there, their God. Now, before we close in the next five minutes, I want to, what I'll do tomorrow is give you some other instances in a specific calendar year where I think one should practice first fruits. But the bedrock of it is that in a season of life called an annual calendar year, at the commencement of that season, you say, God, you see, at Passover in the first month, the farmer would give that to the Lord in anticipation of the harvest in Pentecost. And he would give it in the third month at Pentecost, he would offer his wheat in anticipation of the vintage harvest. Whatever, there's a, there's a verse in Romans which says, the, in fact, the, 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 the leaven leavens the, the lump. It's somewhere in your notes. In the book of Romans, it says that to some effect. And if it says, if the first fruit be holy, what is holy? The, the lump is also holy, right? So, from that scripture, we get this principle. What it says, the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. The quality of the first fruit will determine the quality of the lump. Right? So the quality of the first fruit is usually a good indicator of the quality of harvest that farmer is to position in his mindset to access throughout the calendar year.
right? You are saying to God, I'm at the start of the process. I'm at the start of the calendar year. I look forward to the next 52 weeks. But the first of these 52 is yours, God. You're first in my life. You're first in my finances. I give that to you by faith. Everyone say by faith. Faith because I see something. I've sight into the unseen realm. I see something and I anticipate in my future that you will immunize me from the harmful predatorial effects of the devourer upon my harvest. You will guarantee future harvests. So I give this act as an expression of my faith to you, my God. Now the Bible says, faith without works is dead. If you're going to do a thing by faith, you have to engage in the accompanying works um, to, to corroborate the fact that you do actually have faith. James says, if you, if you say you have faith, show me your works. I'll establish the quality of your faith. And I'm saying, you know, I hear the Spirit of the Lord tonight. I'm saying that the, the Spirit of the Lord is saying to all of us, my sons, my daughters, I call you to radical expressions of faith in the area of your financial offerings. Because um, your spirit sees something that others cannot see. And so you violently give because you, you see something in the future. Do you know what I believe part of the things that Abel saw? Do you know the word reshit? Everyone say reshit. Occurs in Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning God made the heavens and the earth. It should be read in the first fruit. God made the heavens and the earth. Reshit. And it says, the fear of the Lord, in the book of Proverbs and Psalms, the fear of the Lord is the beginning, is the first fruit of, the word reshit is used there. If the, if, if the fear of the Lord is the foundation for wisdom, I believe the practice of the first fruit financial offering sets, sets forth a framework, like God made the framework of heaven and earth, and a foundation in the life of the Son of God, upon which he, that Son of God is able to sustain and maintain all the purposes of God to be outworked in His life in the future. It is tested with money because money measures a man. Money exposes the heart of a man. There's nothing that can reveal character like money can. Right? Pastor Foy used to say, money make you funny. <laughs> right? And so with my money... I demonstrate how I, I honor God by my, by my first fruit offering. Time has run away with us. I haven't really got nearly where I thought we'd be tonight. But I do not want you to keep you any longer because we have a time of fellowship. We've prepared some lovely eats and drinks for you, and we want to observe that. But I want to impress upon your heart the reality. Listen carefully. God is saying to you tonight, I'm going to radically transform your financial world. But I need you to radically obey me with an expression of obedience that it was lost to the modern church for ages. But now in these days, through holy apostles and prophets, they are being reintroduced as gems. The Bible says it is the, it's the right of God to hide a matter, but it's the prerogative of kings to, to search it out. Well, many things God has hidden in His Word that in our present day is being searched out and being made plain to the modern day church. Amen. And I believe this economy, as I've proved in our own life, will really, really bless you and set you up, like I said, set up a framework like God made the heavens and the earth as a framework or environmental context in which he would place man and that man would represent him accurately and fulfill his purposes. I believe First Fruits paints that context that framework within your life, in and through which God will bless you radically. But it's going to take a radical resolve. Everyone say radically resolve. You decide, I will obey. I'll radically obey it. And I want to fuel your faith. You know, the late Apostle Franz Duplessis, before his death, um, told us a story that he was teaching on First Fruit somewhere, and they had a break, and there were a 30-minute break, and they were going to start the next session. A leader was there in the meeting and in the break, rushed out, went to the bank, drew money and offered a first fruit offering. Because the guy did not want to delay the obedience and could not wait for the next session to be 
over and such was the resolve. Everyone say the resolve. The resolve in the heart. The decision to say, yes, God, I'm ready to, to embrace this and I'm ready to ob- observe this. And let me just say this to you. If you're not ready, don't worry. Relax. It sounds someone relax. If you're not ready, it's not a big deal. All I'm saying to you, because all obedience must be born out of revelation. Until it's revealed to your spirit. Because if you're engaging in an act of obedience based upon coercion or or pressure to be compliant to a corporate context or culture, your obedience will not be sustained. It will not be long-lasting. But if it's born out of revelation, you see, from, let me just say this, I am, I'm 49. I don't need another Bible study about tithes, first fruits, or offerings for the rest of my 140 years on this planet. Because I intend to die at 140, if you don't know. So, for the next 90 plus years, I don't need any cajoling, any motivation for me to offer my first fruits, tithes, and offerings to God. Why? It has been born as a revelation in my spirit. Amen? And the degree of the revelation will determine the strength by which that activity obediently is sustained within your life. Amen? With that in mind, I want to encourage you to stand and we're going to pray for a spirit of revelation and a spirit of understanding. Amen? Spirit of revelation and a spirit of of understanding. Lift your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you. Come on, just lift your hands, lift your spirit. This is serious to me, amen? This is very serious to me. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, our Father in heaven, we come to you. And hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is done in the heavens. As Abel obtained a witness that he was righteous by the first fruit offering he gave, he was compliant to heavenly standards and so proved righteous by the act of offering of the first fruit which he gave to you, Father. Right now we lift up our hands and we want to give testimony too to the righteousness positionally that we have already attained. And God, may our enactment of what we've heard tonight demonstrate practical righteousness and compliance to heaven's standards financially. Today we bring our financial world in alignment with your will. I pray now for the spirit as we've heard, a spirit of revelation, spirit of understanding, I pray for the spirit of light and enlightenment to push back darkness now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Push back ignorance. Push back the blur. Push you back in Jesus' name. I pray light, illumination, and understanding to your spirit. I displace the carnal view in your mind that stands up in rebellion against the truth of God's word. And I pray light to your spirit, man. Father, we receive this understanding, we receive this revelation, and we ask in Jesus' name for the requisite grace, the accompanying grace to obey it. Come on, lift your hands. I pray great grace and peace be upon you all. The grace that causes you to obey God's word, the grace that will propel your obedience in the same. I pray great grace, great grace be upon you all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. 5,000 plus strong. He makes one statement. Unless you eat my flesh, drink my blood. What does it say? The Bible says, and they all left him for failure to understand the saying. And they said, this, this is a hard saying. Who can bear it? And so the church shrunk back to 12. Right? One statement in one Bible study of Jesus shrunk his church. Right? He said to the 12, are you going to go also? What did Peter say? Where can we go? Because you have words. Everyone say words. Words of eternal life. I, I, I'm feeling something in the spirit here tonight. I'm encouraging you. The words you are hearing tonight and this weekend in reference to finances are words of eternal life. If you open yourself to it, it's going to set you free. It might be difficult because you perhaps view it with a natural carnal mentality. But if you understand this in the spirit, what is What is understood in the Spirit is to be practiced by the Spirit and not in your your limited human capacity. Amen. 
and it will set you free. So just, just pump your neighbor and say, be set free tonight. Okay? So, verse 16, you shall also observe the feast of harvest, in brackets the feast of Pentecost, another term for Pentecost, in the first fruits of your labors from what you sow in the field, and the, the feast of the ingathering, which is also tabernacles. At the end of the year, when you gather in the fruits of your labors from the field, verse 17, three times a year all your males must appear before the Lord your God. You are to offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, um, nor is the fat of my feast to remain overnight until morning. Then verse 19, watch, verse 19 is very important. You shall bring the choice first fruits. Everyone say the choice first fruits. I'll explain that in a moment. Of your soil into the house of the Lord your God, you are not to boil a young goat in the milk of its mother. Now a very strange commandment. Before I explain that, I want you to see in this passage, notice in all three of the major broad categorized feasts, God said, no one must appear before me empty-handed, and is to acknowledge the Lord. Now, look at this. We're against the backdrop of those commands of Israel to honor him with the first fruits in all three feasts, there's a very strange command given. Bring the choice first fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God. You are not to boil a young goat in the milk of its mother. Now, remember Israel did not live in, in isolation of surrounding nations. They were fully aware of practices of their neighbors. So what would happen in heathen nations was this. Okay, Cudworth, a noted theologian, notes this. He said the following, that um, when a young goat was born, the kid, the first link, especially if it was the first link of a line of others to be born, they would take the first fruit or the first link, they would milk the mother, boil the milk, and then boil the young goat in the milk of the mother, so killing the young goat. It dies. Now, milk is designed to nourish and not to destroy, not so. Particularly um, the milk of a mother uh, to its young. It's designed to nourish, it's designed to, to provide immunity, strength, and growth. So there is an inferred principle here that, uh, that the first fruit must not be abused, misdirected, or used for the wrong purpose. But more important is the secondary principle. The principle is this. The other nations would take the milk in which the young kid or the young goat was born was destroyed and they would take the milk on their fields and they would sprinkle it on the, the produce or sprinkle it on their plantations throughout the field as an offering to the heathen gods to ensure the future perpetuity, fertility and harvest of that field. Okay? So when God says, you will not take the firstling and boil it in the milk of its mother, what was God saying? God was saying to not be like the other nations that rely on demonic agencies to ensure future harvests. You take that firstling and you offer it unto me. What was God implying? God was implying that I personally will guarantee your future harvests if you offer that to me. So we... Now, listen carefully. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And most often, I guarantee you, the mindset in reference to how we steward our finances in the church for most sons of God is predominantly influenced by secular society. And you see your colleague in the workplace who is not a son, who is not in the kingdom, earning the same salary as you. Now, and you are both taxed by SARS, right? And now you give your tax to SARS. I hope you're doing that, right? So you give your tax faithfully to SARS. But you're part of another economy. You are in the kingdom of God. And they are not. Now in this economy, you must still give first fruits, tithes, and offerings. 
right? Now, I shared this thought with you in session one on the CD in your pack. How that? To understand kingdom realities economically, unless you understand your status as a son of God in the kingdom of God and your observance of kingdom principles designed to sustain you, you will always see God's principles financially as punitive and not intended to bless you. You will always see, God, why? I must give so much, so consistently, so regularly. Why? When my colleague who doesn't know you is only subject to SARS taxation. But it seemed like I, your son, in this kingdom, must, must, must be exposed to a whole range of offerings. First fruits, tithes, offerings. Let me just say this. Giving is designed to wean you off dependence upon this natural world. Giving at its bedrock, at its kernel, listen carefully, this is very important, at its kernel, at, at its essence, its quintessence is to, to wean you off and to, to, to strip the carnal soul of dependence upon earthly ways to ensure your, your welfare, your sustainability, and your survival. Once you come into the kingdom, you come into the kingdom of your father. Hallelujah. Matthew 13. They will shine in the kingdom of their, of their father. Colossians 1.13. You've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son or the son of his love. So you're in a kingdom that is highly relational where you as a son have a father and your father says to you, my son, observe my ways. And God said to Israel, I won't have time to read the scriptures, but it's on CD, the CD in your packs, session one. You'll see it all laid out. God said to Israel, um, see how I will cause you, watch, to lend to other nations and you will never borrow from them. It would seem like God was laying uh, a burden upon Israel to do all of these offerings when the surrounding nations didn't observe those kinds of things. Okay? But I want to encourage you, it's all by grace. Tell someone all by grace. You see, grace is opposed to works. If you try and work this in your, in your own strength, and let me just say this, you can work things out economically in your own strength to ensure your own welfare and even pursuit of the riches or financial gain or, or financial sustenance as you, as you grow older. And perhaps you'll, you'll meet with some success there. But there's a way that God has. And God says, my ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens above the earth, so are my ways higher than Higher than your ways. And I want to encourage you. You either subscribe to God's way of doing things economically. Now, I want to encourage you. First fruit is a violent offering. Tell someone it's a violent offering. It's a, I call it a courageous offering. I call it a daring offering. Because let me say this. When the farmer gave first fruits, he had nothing left. Think about it. First ripened produce, he takes it and he offers it. Firstlings born, there's no guarantee that you're going to be another one. And you take everything. What are you saying? You're violently saying to God, you are my source. You are my dependence. My trust is new. Everyone say, trust God. I've just done uh, three sessions, I think, on trusting God, giving trustingly. It's an expression of simply how much you trust your, your, your father. Amen. And so God said to them, when he said this to them, do not boil a young goat in the milk of its mother. He's literally saying to them, separate yourself from worldly dependence. Separate yourself from reliance upon known methodologies in your age to ensure your future success and trust me. Come on, tell someone, trust God. And trust me, trust God. Okay? Trust me, declares the Lord. Now, on page 4. On page 4. In fact, I'm going to jump around because of, of time. Let's go to page 7. Seek first the kingdom of God, right? Now, I believe first fruits, the practice of first fruits financially is part of the overall doctrine of first things. I hope to, in our local church, do a short series called First Things. First things are very important. What you do first in various sectors of your life. 
But in your finances, God says, give me the first fruits. Okay, give me the first fruits. Remember it is said of Abel in Hebrews, just put Luke again, Hebrews 11 and verse 4. It is said of Abel as the first hero of faith to be listed in this long list of greats. By faith he offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. That's the NASB. The, new, the, the King James says a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Through which he obtained a testimony that he was righteous. He obtained a testimony that he was righteous. Now, um, if you go to the King James or the New King James, or easier. Everyone say more excellent sacrifice. He offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Sorry, I'm on page 10 for your reference. I'm on page 10. A more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 2 and verse 20, sorry, says the following. Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and of knowledge? Everyone say excellent things. Okay. Have I not written to you of excellent things? Now, the Hebrew word for excellent things here, like I indicate in the note, is the Hebrew salis. Everyone say salis. And it literally means three, a third part or triangle, thus implying threefold things. Everyone say threefold things. Threefold things. Okay? Threefold things. Then it says of the Lord Jesus in Hebrews 8 verse 6, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. Okay? By as much as he also is a mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on, Better promises. So watch. Listen to me very, very carefully. The New King James and the King James says of Abel, where the NASB says he offered a more, um, a better sacrifice. The King James says he offered a more excellent sacrifice. Proverbs 22 verse 20 says, I've spoken to you of excellent things. And Hebrews 8, 6 says concerning the ministry of Jesus, he has a more Excellent ministry. And if the word excellent in Hebrew denotes a reference to threefold things, then we've got to understand the power of three in Scripture. Now, generally speaking, the number three, I, I, won't, I won't reference all of the things, the number three has reference to that which is real, that which is complete, that which is substantial. Everyone say real, complete, and sub. Substantial. For example, in Ecclesiastes, it says, "Conditions um, of giving that Israel have to observe, right? And they're not synonymous. The one doesn't refer to the other. They're all separate categories of giving, right? So, say a threefold cord is not easily broken. I want to encourage you, in every department of your life, bring a threefold dynamic to it, and it will never easily be dislodged. It will never be dislodged. In your notes, I give some examples in Scripture about the principle of three recurs. At the bottom of page 10, for example, in the Godhead, you have Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. The constitution of man, he is spirit, soul, and body. There are three patriarchs, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. The tabernacle has three portions, outer court, holy place, and holies of holies. In singing, uh, according to Ephesians 5.18, we can engage in psalms, in hymns, and in spiritual songs. Three feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and, and tabernacles. Three uh, Old Testament divisions, the law, the prophets, and the psalms. Three offices of Christ, prophet, priest, and king. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. According to Paul in 1 Corinthians, there are three enduring virtues. Now there abides faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And in reference to prayer, um, uh, the writer of the book of Matthew says, we can ask, seek, and knock. Everyone say threefold things. And these are just a few examples. The scriptures are awash with threefold dynamics to acts that make the position real, solid, and sub. Substantial. All I'm suggesting to us, that if Cain's offering was excellent, denoting threefold things, 
that um, all giving then must have this threefold characteristic of first fruits, tithes, and and offerings to the Lord. Amen. First fruits, tithes, and offerings to the Lord. Now, let me get to you. Might, the burning question is, how much is my first fruit then? Right. The, de- the determination of the first fruit. Now, for Israel, it was easy, not so, because the farmer just had a field, and whatever fruit ripened first, that would be my first fruit. But as Israel digressed away from an agrarian-based economy to a more secular-based economy where people worked and were remunerated, it became all the more difficult for people to determine their first fruits. And so people would ask rabbis in their day, um, what portion of a field or plot of land generally would amount to a first fruit offering based upon the history of Israel? Now, please remember this is not scripture. This is Old Testament tradition. What I'm, what I'm going to explain now is not in the Bible, but it's based on reliable rabbinical writings. And I'll explain how to, to view it in a moment. They said then, in a typical field, anywhere from 140th to 160th of the field, generally would be construed as a first fruit offering. Now, now obviously, 140th being more than one, than one, than one sixtieth. So, um, a modern day equivalent would be to offer the first week's income and or turnover if you're a businessman, first week's income if you're working and or turnover if you're a businessman to the Lord as a first fruit offering. So we work in a mostly secular society where we work in a month and we're remunerated for the same. Okay? Based on our skills, talent in the workplace, we rewarded that in terms of monetary reward. Now, a first offering, now you're listening to me very carefully, then would be the first week's income in a calendar year. So it's, there are 52 weeks in a year, not so? 52 weeks. So 1 over 52 equates more to an average between the 140th and the 160th prescribed by the rabbis. Okay, so the middle of the, the road, so to speak. So it relates very much to rabbinical writing. Most people, however, earn a monthly salary. Not so? So first offering then would be a quarter of your monthly salary in, at the start of a particular calendar year in that first month would be given to the Lord as a first fruit offering. It's your first salary for the specific calendar year. And you say, God, um, I give this to you as an indication that, watch, my efforts in business and or the workplace is purely by your hand. Purely by your hand. And I'll, I'll explain the legitimacy for this practice from a New Testament perspective. Uh, I'm just so uh, sorry that we time is running against us here. And I want, I want to rush to a particular point. But I would suggest to you, this is where I started. This is where we personally started by paying the first week's income to the Lord. That's just our expression of saying, God, all that we have is yours. And we want to honor you with the first fruit of the increase from the reward of our labor. We want to bless you with this, God. And so we started there. The tithe strictly is 10%, not so. The Hebrew and Greek word for tithe, if you didn't know, means 10%. There's no revelation in that, right? You don't need a revelation to tithe. You need a calculator with batteries. <laughs> Amen. Just, just, just work it out. But I think, yes, what I think in my spirit, I think the absence of a definitive percentage in reference to first fruits was always intended by God that the practice do not be governed by a calculator, but by the revelation in your spirit. Right? So what did we do? We started practicing first fruits as the first week's income. Now, everyone say, by faith, Abel offered. So if you take the whole complement teaching of the New Testament position on faith, can faith grow? Question, can faith grow? Come on, talk to me. Can faith grow? Yes, Yes, faith can grow. Paul writes to the Thessalonians and says, I marvel how two things in you grow. Your love and your faith has grown exceedingly, he says. 
the scripture says we can grow from faith to, to faith. We, faith has the capacity to incrementally increase. And so now we are at the position where we offer our entire first month's salary as a first fruit offering to God. If you are hearing this for the first time, I suggest to you that you start on whatever the basis your faith allows and seek to incrementally grow from there. I would suggest that you, you, you start by giving off a first week's income. Everyone say first things, right? A first, that's why I said it's radical giving, it's courageous. It will cut against the grain of most secular or humanistic thinking, but it's your expression of just how much your, it has been revealed to you as God the source of all blessing, God the source of all favor, okay? And you say, God, see how you have, see how you have blessed me. The first time I heard this teaching, I got a headache. Any headaches here? We pray for you quickly. <laughs> okay. You know, my God, I'm just about master tithing. I must, I must engage this, you know. I must engage this, 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 this level as well. And whole of the first week, that's like 25% of my salary. I must still tithe on the 75% and, and, and determine how much offerings I must give from there. The Lord really challenged me. God said to me consistently, I'm trying to wean you of dependence on your salary as the source of your sustenance. I'm trying to get you out of the grips of Babylon's grip that seems to grip you into its vortex. So it, that's why I say it's violent. Everyone say violent. It's courageous expression of who is my source? God is my source. If you were an Israelite living in the old covenant and you were expected to, as a male, to appear before God three times a year in each of the respective feasts with a first fruit offering, isn't that a tall order? Come on, speak as a man, yes. Isn't that much? But what was God trying to teach them? Wean them of dependence upon natural systems to sustain them. And, and offer this to the Lord there. Offer this to the Lord there, their God. Now, before we close in the next five minutes, I want to, what I'll do tomorrow is give you some other instances in a specific calendar year where I think one should practice first fruits. But the bedrock of it is that in a season of life called an annual calendar year, at the commencement of that season, you say, God, you see, at Passover in the first month, the farmer would give that to the Lord in anticipation of the harvest in Pentecost. And he would give it in the third month at Pentecost. He would offer his wheat in anticipation of the vintage harvest. Whatever, there's a, there's a verse in Romans which says, the, in fact, the, 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 the leaven leavens the... The lump, it's somewhere in your notes, in the book of Romans, it says that to some effect. And if it says, if the first fruit be holy, what is holy? The, the lump is also holy, right? So we, from that scripture, we get this principle. What it says, the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. The quality of the first fruit will determine the quality of the lump, right? So the quality of the first fruit is usually a good indicator of the quality of harvest that farmer is to position in his mindset to access throughout the calendar year. Right? You are saying to God, I'm at the start of the process. I'm at the start of the calendar year. I look forward to the next 52 weeks. But the first of these 52 is yours, God. You're first in my life. You're first in my finances. I give that to you. By faith. Everyone say by faith. Faith because I see something. I've sight into the unseen realm. I see something and I anticipate in my future that you will immunize me from the harmful predatorial effects of the devourer upon my harvest. You will guarantee future harvests. So I give this act as an expression of my faith to you, my God. Now the Bible says... Faith without works is dead. If you're going to do a thing by faith, you have to engage in the accompanying works um, to, to corroborate the fact that you do actually have faith. James says, 
if you, if you say you have faith, show me your works. I'll establish the quality of your faith. And I'm saying, you know, I hear the Spirit of the Lord tonight. I'm saying that the, the Spirit of the Lord is saying to all of us, my sons, my daughters, I call you to radical expressions of faith in the area of your financial offerings. Because um, your spirit sees something that others cannot see. And so you violently give because you, you see something in the future. Do you know what I believe part of the things that Abel saw? Do you know the word reshit? Everyone say reshit. Occurs in Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning God made the heavens and the earth. It should be read in the first fruit. God made the heavens and the earth. Reshit. And it says the fear of the Lord in the book of Proverbs and Psalms. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, is the first fruit of the word reshit is used there. If the, if, if the fear of the Lord is the foundation for wisdom, I believe the practice of the first fruit financial offering sets, sets forth a framework like God made the framework of heaven and earth and a foundation in the life of the Son of God upon which he, that Son of God is able to sustain and maintain all the purposes of God to be outworked in his life in the future. It is tested with money because money measures a man. Money exposes the heart of a man. There's nothing that can reveal character like money can. Right? Apostle 4 used to say, money make you funny. <laughs> right? And so with my money, I demonstrate how I, I honor God by my, by my first fruit offering. Time has run away with us. I haven't really got nearly where I thought we'd be tonight. But I do not want you to keep you any longer because we have a time of fellowship. We've prepared some lovely eats and drinks for you, and we want to observe that. But I want to impress upon your heart the reality. Listen carefully. God is saying to you tonight, I'm going to radically transform your financial world. But I need you to radically obey me with an expression of obedience that it was lost to the modern church for ages, but now in these days, through holy apostles and prophets, they are being reintroduced as gems. The Bible says it is the, it's the right of God to hide a matter, but it's the prerogative of kings to, to search it out. Well, many things God has hidden in His Word that in our present day is being searched out and being made plain to the modern day church. Amen. And I believe this economy, as I've proved in our own life, will really, really bless you. And set you up, like I said, set up a framework like God made the heavens and the earth as a framework or environmental context in which he would place man and that man would represent him accurately and fulfill his purposes. I believe First Fruits paints that context, that framework within your life in and through which God will bless you radically. But it's going to take a radical resolve. Everyone say radically resolve. You decide, I will obey. I'll radically obey it. And I want to fuel your faith. You know, the late Apostle Franz Duplessis, before his death, um, told us a story that he was teaching on First Fruit somewhere. And they had a break. And there were a 30-minute break. And they were going to start the next session. A, a leader was there in the meeting. And in the break, rushed out, went to the bank, drew money, and offered a First Fruit offering. Because the guy did not want to delay the obedience and could not wait for the next session to be over. And such was the resolve. Everyone say the resolve. The resolve in the heart. The decision to say, yes, God, I'm ready to, to embrace this and I'm ready to ob observe this. And let me just say this to you. If you're not ready, don't worry. Relax. It sounds like relax. If you're not ready, it's not a big deal. All I'm saying to you, because all obedience must be born out of revelation. Until it's revealed to your spirit. Because if you're engaging in an act of obedience based upon coercion or, or pressure to be compliant to a corporate context or culture, the obedience will not be sustained. It will not be last, long-lasting. But if it's born out of revelation, you see, from, let me just say this, I am, I'm 49 I don't need another Bible study about tithes, first fruits, or offerings for the rest of my 140 years on this planet. Because I intend to die at 140, if you don't know. Right? So, for the next 90 plus years, I don't need any cajoling, any motivation, 
for me to offer my first fruits, tithes, and offerings to God. Why? It has been born as a revelation in my spirit. Amen. And the degree of the revelation will determine the strength by which that activity obediently is sustained within your life. Amen. With that in mind, I want to encourage you to stand and we're going to pray for a spirit of revelation and a spirit of understanding. Amen. Spirit of revelation and a spirit of, of understanding. Lift your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you. Come on, just lift your hands, lift your spirit. This is serious to me, amen. This is very serious to me. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, our Father in heaven, we come to you. And hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is done in the heavens. As Abel obtained a witness that he was righteous by the first fruit offering he gave, he was compliant to heavenly standards and so proved righteous by the act of offering of the first fruit which he gave to you, Father. Right now we lift up our hands and we want to give testimony too to the righteousness positionally that we have already attained. And God, may our enactment of what we've heard tonight demonstrate practical righteousness and compliance to heaven's standards financially. Today we bring our financial world in alignment with your will. I pray now for the spirit as we've heard, a spirit of revelation, spirit of understanding. I pray for the spirit of light and enlightenment to push back darkness now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Push back ignorance, push back the blur, push you back in Jesus' name. I pray light, illumination, and understanding to your spirit. I displace the carnal view in your mind that stands up in rebellion against the truth of God's word. And I pray light to your spirit, man. Father, we receive this understanding. We receive this revelation. And we ask in Jesus' name for the requisite grace, the accompanying grace to obey. Come on, lift your hands. I pray great grace and peace be upon you all. The grace that causes you to obey God's word. The grace that will propel your obedience in the same. I pray great grace. Great grace be upon you all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.